Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Universal Adapter. This is the show where two Brits, one who stayed put, that's me, and one who got out, that's me, discuss the relative merits of our current home countries. Each week we'll pick a new topic and discuss who has it better. And this week we're not really doing that. Uh, This week is our Universal Adapter retrospective, where we're going to discuss uh, how we felt about the places that we've lived and the show in general. I think that that's fair to say. Yeah, it's like just a big yearbook of success and silliness that has occurred over the last 50 episodes, which is bonkers. I can't believe it's 50 episodes. Yeah, we've been doing this for a while. A while. It's like our, is this our, like, golden anniversary or whatever it is? I think 50 is Ruby. Oh, Ruby anniversary. There we go. I'll take that. That's our Ruby episode. Yeah, I I can't actually think how many different places that we've talked about, but many. Many. I was, that would have been a fun statistic for us to have looked up, but we never mind. Uh, how, how have you been since we last spoke? I've been doing all right. Um, can't really see. I never really seem to have anything, nothing that I think is is worth chatting about, at least, because you've always got some new experience or some, you know, kooky Canadian drama to <laughs> chat about. Whereas for me, it's just same old, same old. Oh. I think same old, same old. I wonder if it's, I just maybe I'm just a more enthusiastic person. I don't think that that's true. I think anybody who's listened to the show will know that I'm the uh, excitable person. Exactly. The emotions <laughs> just bubbling over. Yeah, I can't. I can barely hold it back here. This, that's the problem with time zones. Let me tell you the one. The one problem with time zones is that it makes it very difficult to record a podcast when <laughs> both your hosts are on different sides of the world. That's true. We we started it in the most I wouldn't say convenient setup, but it was fairly convenient. New Zealand mm-hmm. being twelve hours apart, I've definitely moved somewhere more inconvenient um, recently. So I can only apologise for that. If you are feeling a little sleepy, um, you can like yes. jump up out of your chair, have a dance. It's always a good way to wake up. And uh-huh. play this game that I've devised for you, if you would like to. Which I, I... I like to think of it as a verbal montage of just things, random things we've discussed. <laughs> and, and also, I can't, I can't remember which episode this was, but we had a little bit of a chat at one point about Cockney rhyming slang. So... So this game is called Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. Nice. Or, and I didn't know one for loser, so I've made one up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> loser Loser Lemon Juicer. <laughs> oh, I don't want any sour grapes here. <laughs> and as you all know, a lemon is just a very sour, very yellow grape. Yeah. Turns out not a lot rhymes with the word loser. Um, so... Well, there we go. Some modern day um, Watford rhyming slang for everyone. Wonderful. So, you coined a phrase. I have. I know. Isn't this trailblazing on this show? Put it so, on a t-shirt. <laughs> I have got a list of things we've discussed, and you have to decide if that was a uh, a winning item, in which case you would say chicken dinner, or right. if it was a losing item, in which case you would say lemon juicer. 
Ah, okay then. Ah. So, are you ready to play Winner Winner Chicken Dinner or Loser Loser Lemon Juicer? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. First of all, when we had a weekend away in Singapore. That was a chicken dinner. Yes, it was. We had a very tenuous contender for largest statue in the UK, which was uh, Nelson's Column. Chicken... Chicken dinner. Correct. Pick's Peanut Butter Factory being used as a wedding venue. Loser, doozer, juice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alva Myrdal, Sweden's Nobel Prize winner. Uh, lemon juice. No, she was a winner, winner, chicken oh. dinner. Oh. Uh, the train from Aberdeen to Penzance. Uh, chicken juice. Chicken juice? <laughs> yeah, I think it drew. <laughs> no, it didn't. As I would say, we, we draw a lot on this program. It's because we like each other and we have no referee. Okay, so do you want to pick again based on that piece of information? Um, a chicken dinner? It was, yes. Well done. Oh. That was one of your ones. Excellent. The hovercraft from Dover to Calais. Ch ch lemon juice. Yeah, it lost out to Rubik's Cube. Uh, oh, a law stating it's illegal to hunt a Sasquatch. A chicken dinner? Yeah, because Sasquatches are so cool. Um, that's one thing I've learned about myself during this show. I'm fascinated by Sasquatch. You're in the right place then. I know. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Um, so, sipping on a glass of ice wine. Oh, that was a chicken dinner. That was a chicken dinner, even though in real life, definitely a lemon juicer. I thought that a glass of ice wine was was a winner, but a, an entire bottle because nobody else liked it as much as you hoped they would. That's that's the loser. Well, that's true, yeah. Like, a little sip would be lovely, but I, I just went too far the first time and now I'm put off it. Which oh, is, dear. You know like how some people are like, oh, I can't can't drink vodka anymore because it's one night, and I'm like, oh, sorry, I can't drink ice wine anymore because it's one... <laughs> Because it's one afternoon. One afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, next one. Nuclear reactor from the UK. Oh, chicken dinner. No, it lost out to fresh filleted fish from Norway. Toby Carvery. A uh, chicken dinner. Quite literally, yes. <laughs> and fi <laughs> finally, Colin the Caterpillar. Chicken dinner. Yeah. All right. I feel like you you erred on the side of winning ones. Maybe because I was most excited to talk about them the first time around, which is why they ended up winning. That's fair enough. Yeah, you picked you picked the ones that won again. And also, just I wanted to get in that joke for Toby Carberry, which came very <laughs> late on in the game. <laughs> but excellent. So you got eight out of eleven. So I think you pass. Well remembered. Fantastic, I've been paying attention all this time. This is can be aside from the show, just in general, throughout your your travelling fun and frolics that you have experienced, what would you say is your best experience thus far? Hmm. I think that my best experience is uh going to Athens. I like oh. Athens a lot. Because it's full of old things which I like a lot. And when I go, whenever I wander around, whenever I, whenever I visit Greece, it makes those three years that I spent studying for my degree seem almost worth it, but not quite, because <laughs> obviously my degree was a fairly sizable expense, and so too is a trip to Greece. So it's like, it's a long way to go to be able to 
look like I know what I'm talking about. And also, like, lots of people, i.e., you know, the people who are actually paid to show you around different sites and things, they know better what they're talking about as well. But um, I particularly enjoy the Parthenon Museum in Athens because it's a monument to passive aggressiveness. I might have spoken about this oh. on the show before, but they've basically got a room in the on the top floor of the uh, Parthenon Museum where there's a big, wide, open window. Not open, but a big, like, a wall of glass that you can look out and you can have a look at the Parthenon and you can say, oh, what a lovely um, temple that is. And then on the inside of the museum, they've got the different bits from the Parthenon, so the pediments, which are the statues that go in the triangle, and then the metopes, which are the big square statues, all around on the inside of this second floor. But it's full of plaster cast replicas, so they've probably got about like 25% of the original uh, statuary. And then Mm -hmm. next to each of these plaster casts, they have a little sign saying, this belongs... Or rather, this belongs here, but at the moment, they're just like keeping a hold of it in the British Museum, and we've asked it for them back several times, and eventually they will actually get round to giving it back. And it's basically an entire museum that was built to counter the oft-repeated phrase by, I guess, United Kingdom-based antiquarians who are like, well, we must look after this because they can't look after it for themselves. (laughs) Um, Which always struck me as quite patronising and paternalistic. Anyway, apparently this is something... This is is something I feel fairly strongly about. Um, But, yeah, when you get right down to it, I like the fact that they've built this whole museum just so that they can be like, well, this is where we would put our fantastic ancient statues if we had them. <laughs> Maybe you could view it as uh, very hopeful, but they're just like, it's like, build it and they will come. I think that that's what the government of Greece had hoped, but I don't know, things are not looking great right now. But maybe soon. Hopefully soon. I enjoy Greece in general. I particularly like Athens. Particularly, particularly the Parthenon Museum, because it's a fantastic museum as well. Um, And also, like I say, it it doubles as this monument to passive aggressiveness, which I think is quite, quite attractive. Excellent. Well, I'm very pleased that 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 was your crowning glory of your your (laughs) European backpacking trip. And Sarah, do you have a a similar highlight from any of your travels? Oh man, like so many. It's very hard to (laughs) pin down. I'm very sure I've probably spoken about this already, but obviously one of them would be seeing wild elephants in Borneo. That was pretty special. A lifetime highlight, I think, not just a travelling highlight. But then one thing which I'm not sure I've... I don't know if I've spoken about this on the podcast before, which is why I'm actually going to pick this just because I wanted a chance to bring it up. But when I was in... New Zealand, so before we started the podcast, over the summer that I was there, I was out on a little boat trip with some of my friends, and we were going out to a lodge to have some lunch and just generally hang out and enjoy being in the Marlborough Sounds, and we were on the boat, pootling along, 
And the captain comes on, he's like, well, in the sound yesterday, there was a there was a pod of orca who came through. And if you look to the left of the boat, you could see them now. And I was like, what? oh my god. So we like ran up on top of the boat. And yeah, there were, there was a, a female orca and a baby orca and two male orcas. Wow. I knew they came into the sounds like every like, at least like, no, probably like most once a month or so. But even mm. people who work out there are only see them like a handful of times a year. I think wildlife stuff does tend to be the highlights because it's so unpredictable. Like you never know if it's coming. Fantastic. Mm. And an orca is a killer whale, yes? Yes. I feel like orca I don't know if that was the original name for them or if that's like a rebranding. <laughs> but that's what people seem to <laughs> seem to call them these days. That's fair, because when you get right down to it, a killer whale is just a shark, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Also, they're not whales; they're dolphins. What? So it's, but they are killers, yes. Yes, they do okay. kill lots of things, they're... and they're very clever about it as well. Okay, so the next talking point is Sarah. What have you <laughs> missed about living? Sorry, what have you missed now that you are living in the in the Canadian wilderness? Um, <laughs> probably quite offensive to people live around where you are um <laughs> but now that you're living in canada what do you miss about being back home and being in new zealand as well yeah because so i found myself in a slightly unusual situation is that i actually now work with a kiwi and someone who is half canadian and half kiwi so i do find myself talking about new zealand a fair amount which oh. sort of like I like yeah, which maybe makes me feel more connected to it than I maybe would have done if this hit didn't happen. Mm. Um but yeah, so definitely one thing I really miss about New Zealand is the birds. But they have totally cool birds there. Because they don't have any the only native mammal they have is a bat. Which died out a while ago. Yeah, they have these fascinating birds. And I just yeah, I really miss all the crazy bird life. <laughs> and pies. Yeah, we discussed. We've discussed pies previously on the show, I believe. Yeah, that's and yeah, I just it bothers me still. I'm like, oh, I just love like a nice little pie, and I just can't get them. Well, you, like you can, but not in the same way. Like they're not mm. in grocery stores, just ready to have a little little snack pie. <laughs> Which probably means I've been eating a lot healthier since I left New Zealand because I don't have snack pies <laughs> all the time. What would the Canadian pie equivalent be? I, this was also something we were discussing at work the other day. And I don't know, because it doesn't seem to be like a go-to like food in that way. As in, like, pies seem to replace sandwiches at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, does maple... Is it... Does it err more on the side of sweet stuff? Like maple syrup? It's... <laughs> well... Yeah, maybe they just have more like sugary stuff. Like, oh, I guess donuts would be like the the stereotypical pieces Canadian. of Timothy. Pieces of Timothy, yeah. And then there's mm. there seems to be much more in the um, snacking salami than Ooh. I experienced back home. So like in the supermarket, you can buy like little pre-cut boxes of just like cheese and salami, which is quite nice. That sounds great. Hmm, it's quite good. So is there any food or drink which you can get in the UK that you can't get in either New Zealand or Canada? Oh, so 
one thing I do really miss from home is 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 like pre-made cakes. Cause they're just not the same here. I don't know what they like a Mr. Kipling Bakewell tart. Yeah. Mr. Kipling Bakewell tart, like a Tesco coffee on walnut cake, jacket cakes. What else? A nice just any sort of nice pre like fairly standard. Uh-huh. Oh, donuts are actually better at home than they are here, disappointingly. Oh, shots <laughs> fired. I know. <laughs> They're going to deport me for that statement, probably. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just any baked good is a million times better in the UK. And I don't know what it is. They just, they all, they don't seem as sweet here. Or they have like a funny aftertaste. I wonder if that's corn syrup. But yeah, mm. they just every time like I see a delicious cake, and I'm like, that looks incredible. And then they have it, and I'm like, oh, oh, okay, fine. Like, that wasn't as good as I anticipated. All right, you heard it here first. All Canadian cakes are bad. Sorry, Canadian bakers. Well, like a little... I went to a nice... Actually, I went to a very nice bakery the other day where they actually made it there. That was good. It's just the mm-hmm. stuff in the supermarkets that I was thoroughly disappointed in. Aside from, obviously, friends and family and people I love at home, cake would be one thing I really miss. Fair enough. Uh, something that every traveller ha- will have encountered at some point is the unnerving occurrence of a culture shock. So, did you experience any big culture shocks while you were travelling, Matt? Yeah, I mean, the big one was probably when we went to Amsterdam. And oh, yeah. I mean, like, it, I feel like it's it's a classic, but... <laughs> I think, so, obviously, there is, I mean, lots of places have a red light district. Yes. But I think, like, that a very a basic tourist thing to do in Amsterdam is just to go and wander into the red light district, because it's quite novel, because nobody's, it's all very um, upfront, yeah. shall we say. Yeah, you don't see anything quite as blatant as that at home. And yeah, so it was just the experience of wandering down these old cobbled winding streets and just looking at a window and then there was a lady there, sort <laughs> of, you know, beckoning, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and I did not think that I was a prudish person. <laughs> Clearly the little English gentleman who lives in my head uh, the one who you met earlier, who's very, very keen that the that the British Museum hangs onto those marbles, um, <laughs> just sort of just sort of piped up at various points, just being like, "Oh, this just isn't cricket, isn't it?" And I was like, "Oh, did not again, did not realise this was something I felt strongly about." But okay, I I need to do some introspection. <laughs> I think I think the weirdest part was when we sort of rounded a corner because the red light district sort of sprawls through some of the old town. So hmm. there's lots of things that kind of built on top of one another because Amsterdam is full of canals. Things are kind of built on top of each other anyway. Um, kind of like wandering through a Tim Burton film where yes. everything's like kind of on a bit of an angle. Um, and sort of looming. And so, you, you, as you sort of wander through the old town, at one point we just turned a corner and there was a church. And then, again, we were still technically in the red light district. It was like, oh, 
And I feel like the church was kind of only there, or rather, I feel like the function that it now serves, I mean, it probably also serves a congregation as well, is so that um, so that perhaps tourists can be like, ah, yes, let's go and see this very old, very <laughs> venerable church. Oh, gosh, what a surprise. Prostitutes. <laughs> Just, you know, if, exactly because uh, you know some people like to have a plausible deniability for those <laughs> sorts of things. So yeah, that was my culture shock. Excellent, and that's an excellent one. Good. And Sarah, how about yourself? One really big thing I found, and I was forewarned of this, but the traffic situation in Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos is. Mm-hmm. Chaotic doesn't even begin to describe it. It's bonkers. It's mental. It goes everywhere. And really, all you can do is just, you have to start stepping out into the road, go slowly, and people will swerve around you. Which actually, like, once you've done that a couple of times, you kind of just get used to. And you're like, excellent, fantastic. I trust I'm not going to be hit. And, well, even if I am, there was no other way across this road, so one of us had to try this at some point. Although, then fast forward a couple months to I am back in my home village of Abbot Sangley, toddling down the high street, need to get to the other side of the road, and without thinking, I just stepped into the road. (laughs) Of course, much to the shock of the driver that was coming towards me. Luckily, no one was harmed. Good. At least not physically, I don't know if I left them with some sort of um, mental problem afterwards. But um, yeah, turns out they don't expect that uh, in the UK. And uh, it causes a lot of honking and breaking and people being very, very annoyed with you. Oh dear. Yeah, so I think that was probably actually weirdly the biggest culture shock I had. Because I like even the other day I get told I'm a bit too bold crossing the road. <laughs> So I clearly need to stop and remember that hedgehog song a bit better. But yeah, I definitely um yeah, so apparently crossing the road is, is a skill I lost in my time in Asia. And wow. I've been slowly working at building it back. <laughs> and do you find that the are the Canadian crossings any different? Oh, well, this is what really annoys me, and apparently this is very Victoria-specific, so apparently there are especially bad drivers in Victoria. Uh-huh. But zebra crossings even though, while technically, legally, you have to stop for a pedestrian waiting at him, in practice, seems very optional. Like, people just seem to zip part over them, so you like you really can't trust that anyone's going to stop. I have moved, actually, because where I used to live, even though it's like a five-minute drive away, mm-hmm. seemed a lot worse for people not bothering to stop at zebra crossings um, than... Yeah, where I currently am. But we have, like, there's flashy lights around the one next to it. And I've noticed this is, must be such a low-level power trip that I get the utmost satisfaction from. But there's a really um, very busy road that I work along, and nothing gives me quite as much pleasure as pressing the little pedestrian light thing, and they all instantly have to stop. <laughs> And I'm like, how pathetic is my life that that is one of the most exciting things I get to do? I was about to say something similar. There's a there's a zebra crossing near where I live, where if I'm coming home sort of about, you know, half past ten, maybe eleven o'clock in the evening, when there aren't that many cars on the road, obviously nobody's really expecting pedestrians at that yeah. point. So, like you say, with the zebra crossing in particular, they're fairly gung-ho. 
because yeah. they just assume, well, once I've got past, then there's no other cars here. So what does it matter? And yeah, then exactly. me yeah. on the double crossing thinks, oh, oh no, it matters a lot. <laughs> and so I will... <laughs> I will look at the person who's driving as they're coming towards a crossing and I'll very deliberately step one foot into the road, not in their way, but like yeah. to show like I am a pedestrian using this zebra crossing. And then they stop. And again, as you say, I get quite a petty little power trip from that just being like, I stopped a ton of moving metal <laughs> through only my strength of will and also... <laughs> The power of the law. Uh, okay, I'm glad you also do this because I was like, is this just a really like small power trip that goes on in my head? But, oh my <laughs> god, it's so satisfying. Exactly, they shouldn't be so cheeky. It's very rude. Fantastic. Yes. So, really, why we why we were all turned up today to listen to this episode is to find mm. out who is the crowning champion of. Is this just the Canadian series? I assume. Yeah, so this is series four, the Canadian series. I believe that you have won every single one of the last three. Ooh, ooh. Just to uh, just to put it in context uh, here, and I'm afraid that I do basically just have the raw data uh, right now. I might release a, a bonus episode at some point in the future, uh, putting putting this into a a chart. But we've got, um, I think. A total of 20 episodes for this series. So this is our longest series uh, to date. Whew. In first, it was Tasty Liquids, which you won with Maple Syrup. The National Animals 2, Beaver vs. Unicorn, that was a draw. We had Sports, where Cricket won. Uh, we had The Guards in Red, where the Mounties won. We spoke about Matt. Nope. That's me just reading who won that one. We spoke about money. <laughs> we, well, we, do, we have spoken about Matt several times as well. That is true. Uh, we spoke uh, about money, where the pound won. Neighbours, where Ireland won. The irony that the pound did win at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Recently. I mean, it didn't win in any real sense of doing its job as a currency. But... I think there were just some funny slang associated with it or something. That's usually what we end up talking about. And <laughs> if it made us laugh, it probably won. Bizarrely, I won our camping episode, which seems strange. <laughs> and you won the alcohol episode, which doesn't seem strange, with wine. <laughs> we had two holiday episodes as well. We had Thanksgiving and Christmas, where we dispensed with all competition. So those are N.A., Mm-hmm. We spoke about museums and theme parks, as well as big things. And we had our theatre episode, which I won all of. Oh, That was a little run of four. Oh. Uh, spilling out over Christmas uh, for urban myths as well. So that was an unbroken streak, uh, longest streak of five uh, for myself. When we spoke about slang and fast food, though you won. When we talked about art, that was... That round went to Devon, which means that while, as far as the raw number of wins go, the number of points scored, uh, he's at the bottom of the leaderboard. As far as percentage goes, he's he's at the top there with 100% of uh, games played to games won. So that's quite a, a good little 
stat that he can use on his top trumps card. <laughs> <laughs> the wild card of the series. And then yeah. the last two episodes were Actors and Second Cities, which were won respectively by yourself, Sarah, and then by me with Birmingham, which means that in total, uh, as I said, Devon won one. We drew one. We had those two holiday episodes. And then of the remaining 16, you, Sarah, won six. And <gasps> I won ten. Oh, well, well done. Which is closer than I... Thank, I thank you. Uh, which is closer <laughs> than I thought. Yeah, I'm a little bit dumbfounded. <laughs> so yeah, 50% of the points went to myself. Well done. 58%, did you say? 50%. Oh, 50%. I won 10 out of 20. Uh, oh yes, you said that at the beginning. Oh, oh, fantastic. How do you feel being a seasoned winner? It feels good. I feel like this has been this has been a gradual shift from you winning the majority to <laughs> me winning the majority. Uh, we're just uh, yeah, just taking it in turn. It only seems fair. On that note, well, while we are looking back over times that have been, mm. how uh, it's also harks back to it something that I thoroughly enjoyed doing during our Asia series, <laughs> and I don't remember if we. I think we must have, yes, we did it during our European series as well. Um, was our three-word reviews. So yes. I think we should each give a little three-word review um, okay. of of our time so far on the show. Okay. Uh, so word word number one, uh, sleepy. <laughs> Are they all dwarves? <laughs> <laughs> um, sleepy, bashful, and dark. No. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, based particularly, I think, thinking about the Canadian series, uh, certainly, yes, tiredness-inducing for the first word. And then I'm going to go for fun. Said confidently. Well, I couldn't think... What I'm trying to encapsulate is the fact that I enjoy talking to you and... While we would communicate were it not for this um, show, it's nice to have a definite appointment, shall we say, <laughs> uh, to catch up every fortnight because otherwise we wouldn't. Like, I think we... No, that's not true. I was going to say, we probably talk... We certainly talk more now than we did when you were when we were no longer at university. Yeah. But we were both in the same country. Yeah. Although for sure. that that didn't last for that long because I'm pretty sure you jetted off fairly shortly after. I know. I find it so funny to think about that because I'm like, at the time I felt like everyone else knew what they were doing with their lives and I had to go <laughs> do something exciting. And even like, not that that's that many years ago, but I'm like, I was 22. Like there's a time when I look at that and I'm like, that's so young. Like, why did I think I wasn't achieving anything with my life? And the final word is international. Oh, because that's appropriate. Because it's kind of mind blowing to me. I guess on a sort of similar theme that we are continents 
apart. Like there's a big old sea in the way. And yet we are still able to do this. And like I say, potentially, well, certainly communicate more regularly and often than I do with some people who live like down the road. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Oh, I've thought of a better one for the middle one. All right. Yeah. Uh, Connected. Connected. You can have four. That's okay. So there you go. Sleepy connected and international oh fabulous i liked it so would you like to hear mine yes i mean in, okay. yes i do because i know they'll be good but also they're gonna be better than mine which is why yeah. i went first well i feel like mine has a touch of the albus dumbledore around it as in it kind of needs more explanation <laughs> than it does just the words on their own um, go on then so the first one would be capsule Ooh. Yeah, not like not like medicine, not like paracetamol. Like a little pill. <laughs> like a little, like a little pill. Uh, no. <laughs> um, it more in the time capsule mm-hmm. kind of uh, view. As I've already slightly touched on this, but it is. It's um, like it's a lovely reminder that we'll have one day to look back at our adventures that we had and then like, discuss them and things <laughs> we did and we've seen. And I just think, yeah, I sort of like. As in, I've always felt I should keep a diary more uh-huh. religiously, so I know what I've actually done. And one point, I might want to look back on it. So I thought this is a nice little like verbal diary. Hmm. Yeah. Play all these episodes back to back at my funeral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the plan. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in my last will and testament. I think. <laughs> and then my next one is binding. Ooh, like a book. Oh, not what I was thinking, but it could be like a book. Um, Because, so I don't know if you've heard this stat before, but apparently if someone, if you have been friends with someone for seven years, pretty much it's almost certain that you will know them for the rest of your life, unless something really catastrophic happens. And we have now, like, known each other seven years. And I was like, isn't that incredible? That through all the, well the like improv we've done together and student radio shows and now this we have kept that communication going for seven years so odds are this is it (laughs) 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 Uh, if statistics remains on our side it means we will now know each other for the rest of our lives and i think that's a pretty cool thing to say yes that definitely is yeah exploratory is that how you pronounce it either that or exploratory Exploratory. Exploratory. But exploratory sort of sounds like a portmanteau of explosion and laboratory. (laughs) Yeah, in the sense that literally we explored and that's where we get our content from. Mm. And also the fact that the show has like shifted and changed and we've done different things with it over the time of its existence. And Mm. yeah, we've played around with it a bit. It hasn't been very rigid. And I, I like that because I like change. I think things interesting. I agree. Those are all really lovely. Aww, we're so cute sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that brings us to the conclusion of not only our Canadian series, but also our first 50 episodes. It's probably best to let you know that we are going on a little bit of a hiatus. Mm-hmm. Just because, aside from doing this podcast, me and Matt leave excruciatingly busy lives, we've come to realise. Yes. 
And even though we want to continue doing the podcast, I think we just need a bit of a bit of a pause. And yeah, like our social medias will all keep going. They'll keep ticking over because I'll have to brag about what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> um, and we will be back. We just we need some time to rethink and yeah, just work some stuff out and make sure we have some new and exciting stuff to share with you all. Yeah, as you say, one of the one of the things that is good about this show is that we change it up regularly, and I think the next change is going to be a little bit more drastic. So, because of that, we need some time to put things in place, and yeah, as you say, to kind of sort <laughs> sort our um, sort our lives out so that we have the time to dedicate properly to the show going forward. Indeed. And Fabulous. Well, for now, we'll keep you posted as to when we're going to be coming back properly with season series five. I know. Exciting times. Oh. And we will see you all then. All right. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.